On this episode of the Ask Worship Sound Guy podcast, we're sitting down with Atlanta-based audio engineer, Andrew Hodnick. And this also goes back to having a relationship with people on stage, but like there are certain guitar players that I know like in certain, I can just feel in certain moments that they're about to like go somewhere cool if we're in like a spontaneous moment. And so knowing that and knowing when to like be ready to push that so that people can connect with that and, and hear that um, is, is really important to me. Before we get started with this week's episode, I'd love to take just a minute to say thank you so much to all of you who rate and subscribe and review the podcast, especially on iTunes. Thank you so much for that. That helps other people find the podcast. And that's really just our mission with this. Uh, It's a passion project of ours to get this into the live sound community as much as we can and to just provide a really great free resource for people who want to learn more about running live sound and how to be better as a church sound engineer. So you guys know that I read all the reviews that you leave on iTunes, including this one that I loved from STL Blues Fan on iTunes that says, this is a great sound guy podcast. This podcast has been a big help to me. He gives good practical advice. I love the tips on live streaming versus house sound. I can't wait for the next episode. Thank you so much, STL Blues Fan. Go Blues. And uh, if you missed that episode on live streaming, that was actually the very first episode that we did. So if you're interested in learning more about that, uh, go back and check out that episode. It's a really good one. And now let's get into the interview with Andrew Hodnick. All right, everybody, welcome to the episode. I'm here with Andrew Hodnick. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've been up to lately? Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Johnny. Um, I live in Atlanta, and so I kind of am a freelancer around a lot of churches around Atlanta. Um, but lately, obviously, we've kind of been in this this kind of Corona season, um, <laughs> and so I've basically, I'm sure, like a lot of people, have like totally pivoted from like a full on live audio guy that doesn't do much studio work to like a, I have a broadcast mixing studio at my house now. So, yep, same. Uh, you know, <laughs> living the dream. Uh, but yeah, super thankful for technology and the able and the ability to do that now. But um, yeah, uh, just kind of got involved in audio at a super young age um, at my home church. Uh, and it was like a church plant. And so like, it was kind of one of those deals where like, as the need for audio grew and production grew, like I was literally a child. And so I kind of grew up in that and just kind of got thrown in the fire and, you know, just figure it out. So probably like a lot of people um, that maybe are listening to this, just kind of got thrown into it and, you know, fake it till you make it. And here I am still mm-hmm. trying to fake it. So, yeah, <laughs> I would say I'd say you do a little more than fake it for sure. Oh, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's like a really been a common theme, I think, as I've been talking to people, just like, yeah, I was, you know, hanging out in youth group and, you know, somebody was like, hey, do you want to run sound? And right. so I did. And that's how we got started. It, yeah, it's, it's super funny. Yeah, I feel like, gosh, I'm trying to think like none of the people I've talked to, like, went in with the idea that they were going to be church sound guys or whatever. They just kind of like fell into it and then like, uh, you know, fell in love with it, developed a passion for it. So that's, that's super cool. I think it's unique to, to our field a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Do you, okay. Do you come from like a musical background? Are you, are you a musician? No, not really. I, I always like wanted to be, I think in the, in my, in the back of my mind. Um, and I, you know, I tried, like I, you know, took guitar lessons and piano lessons and everything for a couple of years. And then yeah. I was like, okay, I, I can't play a Coldplay song yet. So I'm going to stop, <laughs> but that's pretty much how that went. Um, but yeah, I just 
you know, I always wanted to be a musician and I was, I've always been musical. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that's definitely what like drew me into the whole thing. I mean, you know, going back to talking about church and stuff like that's just, I was like brought up around that background. Um, you know, my parents were always there. So, you know, like hearing, you know, like worship, worship rehearsals and all that kind of stuff. I was just always like very intrigued by that. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, it just kind of sparked an interest. I mean, I was in second grade on stage in an elementary school, plugging in microphones and, you know, <laughs> yeah. So that kind of thing, but yeah. So it, it's like really been like your whole life. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah, so it's cool. awesome. Yeah. And then, okay. So how did you like transition into doing this as a career? So I actually started this like DJ business on the side. I know it's like a joke that a lot of people make like, oh, you're the sound guy. You must be the DJ. But like, I basically wanted an excuse to go out and like buy a bunch of gear and like buy a PA and stuff. And I mean, just basically hit iTunes and stuff. Um, And so I would be in like middle school and high school, like, and I would be like DJing these like school dances and stuff. um, And I would like start making money. And I was like, people are going to pay me to do this. Like what? That's like so insane. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, obviously as I got older and got out of that phase, I um, started working with a local production company um, on some shows. And then, um, you know, the church got larger to a, to an actual, like, oh, I remember the day we got, it was like the first Allen and Heath digital console, like the iLive or something. And I was like, oh, we've, we've, we've arrived. It was like 2010. (laughs) We've made it now. We've We've made made it it now. We got like Dante, we got Dante up in here. Um, so yeah, you know, I started, started making some money, um, money there. Uh, and then just, I honestly just started getting calls to freelance on stuff because people just, I, I don't know how my name got out there, but, um, yeah. And I just started, you know, making money freelancing and I was like, you know, I, I think I'm going to do this. You know, the whole college thing came about, like, do you want to go yeah. to school? Do you, what do you, do you know, should you go to school? And I never really, you know, wanted to do that. Um, cause I was like, well, I'm already kind of like making money. I mean, I'm in high school, but like I'm making money doing this now. So like, mm-hmm. why, what's, what's wrong with just like, keep on, keeping on doing this kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. That's, I think it's something that like we've gotten a lot of questions about is like, how, yeah, how do you transition from like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a volunteer who's passionate about this. So like you mentioned that you kind of just started getting calls. Yeah. Um, why, why do you think that happened? Like, why do you think that maybe some people just start getting calls and other people kind of maybe are, or feel like they're stuck in one place for a while and, yeah. you know, don't really have an opportunity to kind of, you know, move up or get new experiences or be given opportunities. Like what, yeah. How do you think you like got opportunities for me? I think it's like totally about the relationship side of, of the business. Like that's just as important. And I'm sure, you know, everyone says this, but that really is just as important as your ability to, you know, EQ a vocal or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, being able to, to be personable, have a conversation and, and, you know, make an impression on someone, um, and just be nice to people and, you know, people will remember you. And then, you know, They'll just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how it happens, honestly. I just, it's never something I really even like thought about, but, um, you know, just like staying faithful where you're at and, uh, you know, learning as much as you can and, and being open to learning as much as you can and, you know, meeting people and, you know, Mm -hmm. leave the rest up to God, not to get too spiritual, but you know, like, but yeah, but for real, real, like I, I look back sometimes and I'm like, how did I, I mean, not that I'm like totally arrived or anything, but it's like, dang, how did I, how did I even get here? That's like so crazy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. That's, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot too, especially like talking with more people and everybody's got such a unique story about how they, how they got to where they are, uh, no matter where that is. And 
Yeah, it seems like some common threads that I've noticed are, firstly, like you said, just being really personable and able to have a conversation and able to, um, you know, not just hang out behind the soundboard, like, you know, interact with the band, get to know people, just, you know, be maybe, maybe a little, like one degree more extroverted than right. maybe you're comfortable with. Um, I think, you know, a lot of us uh, audio, you know, tech guys are a little more on the introverted side. Right. So I think that's one thing that we probably have to challenge ourselves at uh, to, to maybe just get better and to sort of, you know, build those networking things. Um, yeah, make friends with the band, make friends with yeah. the lighting guy, make friends with, right. produce, like make friends with literally everyone. And not just mm-hmm. for personal gain, but like these people, like we all kind of do the same thing and, you know, we're kind of weird, so meet more <laughs> weird people like us, you know. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent what it is. Yeah, I mean, I I think like, I mean, so many of my friends now, like like really good friends, are are people who I just met on like you know random productions or whatever who right. I just went over and talked to. Yeah, and you know, turned out like, oh yeah, okay, we're we're the same kind of weird. Like we we yeah. both like weird tech stuff. Right, and then it, you know our relationship just kind of you know went from there. I mean, I think that's um, I mean that's how we got to know each other. We were Dude, out yeah. on a gig and. Um, I think, gosh, was I running front of house the first time and you were on monitors? I maybe? think so. Yeah, yeah. And we were which, in some like is... really terrible sounding shed, <laughs> tin roof thing. Yes, <laughs> it was yes, we were awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, like hundreds of like middle schoolers just crawling everywhere. Yep, um, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think yeah, especially like, like on like events like that. Like that was like a, it was like a church retreat yep. and. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially when, you know, it's in kind of maybe a, a rough environment at a retreat center and there's, you know, tons of kids, you, you know, you don't necessarily want to like fight your way through them all to go, you know, talk to whoever's back there at monitors right. or, you know, talk to the band or whatever. And it's like, it's easy to just stay locked away at front of house. Sure. But I think it's, it's really one of those things where you're, you're kind of uh, your own worst enemy when, when we as, as techs do that. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, just go out and like, yeah, make the effort to like get in a little bit and uh, get some socialization in. Maybe you'll meet somebody fun. Yeah. And those are the best hangs too. Like when, yeah. when we're in a room that's like, you know, not awesome and you know, we're all just like, well, you know, we'll just make the best of it. Like usually we ha- end up having it, you know, an awesome time outside of, you know, the, the work side of stuff. So yeah, yeah it's always yeah. worth, you know, going a little, little out of your way to, you know, get out of your comfort zone. I know that's a big thing mm-hmm. for me because I'm I'm also pretty introverted. So yeah, um, yeah. So to move it over into the audio side a little bit, I was like thinking back to that gig, um, which was just a wild time. Like definitely one of like one of the most difficult rooms to mix in that I think probably either of us oh, yeah. have experienced. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know you do. You're you're a phenomenal front of house engineer and a phenomenal monitor engineer. Do you like do you like front of house or monitors better? I think I prefer front of house. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love you know the the relational aspect of of doing monitors and you know working with the band and all that stuff. But um, the just I, I like being in the room. I like feeling the room. You know. Yeah. Feeling the feeling out the whole thing. Um, I think that's a super pow- powerful experience that mm-hmm. there's not really a whole lot of things in the world like it to me. Um, yeah. 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 I would agree. I think there, for me, like, cause I, I do both as well. And you know, there, there are two types of monitor like gigs that can happen. Like one is where you are completely at the mercy of the band right? and where, you know, you're basically just like, you know, a glorified knob turner and like they kind of, you're a human sometimes- avium. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, you're a, you're a human avion. And yeah, it's like they maybe know what they want. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're just kind of guessing. But either way, it's like you don't get a lot of say in what their mix is like. Yeah. And yeah, to me, those are the least fun. Like the Agreed. most fun is where I can get in a little bit early, like go ahead and like, you know, start building like really great sounding mixes during sound check and like where the band trusts you enough yeah. to be like, hey, just make it sound awesome. And you know, you, you know what I like, just, you know, right. get me there and make it sound great. Which like, goes right fun. back to the part where we were talking about earlier, like go up and shake the guy's hand and like make a friend that way you have that trust going into it. So yes. that when, like when they like get, get the roster or see that you're there or get the day sheet and see that you're, Oh, you're doing monitors. Like, Oh man, that's awesome. Like my mix is going to be so good today because you're here. Like right. that kind of thing. Like that's huge. Yes. And that's an, oh, that's man. an awesome feeling for me when someone mm-hmm. says that. it's like, Oh dang, that's so cool. We're friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you actually like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. And I think, man, the same thing. I, I wonder if you'd agree with this is true at front of house too. Like, yeah. you know, I, I always try to go meet like, you know, even like the, you know, the pastor, like whoever it is, right. you know, definitely worship leaders, yeah. that kind of thing. And just like, make sure that everybody, you know, like knows who I am and not, not like a weird, like, like look at me who I am, no. kind of way, but just like, you know, <laughs> knows like, Hey, I'm the guy running sound. Like I'm really, you know, I'm here to help you. I'm here to make as good of a mix as I possibly can. Like, let me know if you need anything, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I think, yeah, that's a big reason why, like, I think both of us have, have found some success with this is just sure. yeah getting in those relationships and, you know, figuring out what is, what's important to people and, right. you know, how to, how to talk to people in a way that like makes them feel, um, you know, like you're on their side, like you're right. not just there to, you know, blast at 110 dB because Absolutely. you can. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, okay. So as, as I was thinking back to that room, so for you as a front house guy, what do you do like when you're in just a really, really challenging mix environment? Like I know we get questions all the time of like, you know, I'm in a, you know, converted gym or yeah. whatever it is, like some kind of, you know, less than optimal mix environment. What are some things that you do to like get a good sounding mix in a room that's maybe a little bit weird? Uh, I think the first thing that's gonna like offend people in a room like that, or really in general, <laughs> is like that hurts my ears kind of thing. So kind of yeah. tackling the whole mid-range situation. I mean, you know, you can have the most amazing PA in the world, whatever that might be for you, um, in a terrible sounding room, and you're still going to be in a terrible sounding room. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's always going to be a thing. But just trying to kind of control the mid-range um, is really important. I like to not do that on channels. I like to kind of, if there's not like a system processor that I have access to, I'll usually, mm-hmm. if there's, you know, waves, there's, they have like a, I think it's like a called tract or something. And it's like a, a, yes. PA, a linear phase PA tuning situation thing. Um, and so mm-hmm. I'll just like throw that on there and just t- kind of try to carve out some space there if it's super obnoxious. Um, and then like, I know this is like kind of controversial to say, but like you can't always have like, everything at at 100 in the mix all the time like in a room like that you kind of want to pick like what you're going to feature at what moments and what what moments you're maybe going to duck the other guitar player because mm-hmm. like his diamonds or his you know strumming on the rhythm side of things is just kind of clouding the mix and you don't really have room for the vocal to cut that kind of thing um yeah i find that a lot with like tracks and stuff especially on these synthy songs that we're kind of working with a lot today a lot of times those can just get pretty unwieldy so kind of really going back to relationships, like talk to the guy who's running tracks and be like, Hey, like what, can, what, what do we need to feature from the tracks in this song? What can we maybe pull out 
um, just to create some space. Um, and that's, that's probably kind of a couple of things that come to mind at first. I don't know. What about mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I, I would really agree on tracks for sure. I think, yeah, we're in kind of a weird age with that, um, where, you know, ever since multi-tracks got big, um, you know, we're, we're in these situations where it's, we used to be mixing, you know, you know, five or maybe a seven piece band, you yeah. know, vocalist and everything. And now it's like, oh wow, we have, you know, four extra guitar parts to work with, right. and, you know, every single synth and keys part that we can possibly imagine. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot of times, um, the, you know, the worship leader or, you know, whoever is loading up tracks, um, maybe hasn't necessarily thought about kind of the arrangement and the production. They're just like, oh yeah, well these, you know, were all the tracks are on multi-track. So I just downloaded them and I threw right. them in Ableton. Um, Took out the drums <laughs> and the bass and here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're good to go. That's all we need. And, you know, a lot of times um, to me that can kind of make it sound like the band is like, playing along to karaoke. Yeah, it's like basically. worship karaoke. <laughs> yeah, it's like worship karaoke. And that's something that I definitely want to avoid. Um, and yeah, I was thinking back to like whenever I, you know, I, I feel like most of the stuff that we're on, like I'm usually running monitors near in front of house and like I'll, I'll step out and listen to your mix. I'm like, oh man, like the tracks are there, but they're not like stepping on anything else. Like that's super interesting that you, you know, immediately talked about that because um, that's something I feel like your mixes always do so well. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, for me, I, I always definitely go talk to, you know, the drummer, worship leader, keys player, whoever's like in charge of tracks. And yeah, a lot of times, like maybe they haven't really thought that through. And so it's like, right. oh, hey, like, did you notice that like, you've actually got, you know, the piano performance in there, but you've got a live piano player on the stage? And he's trying, <laughs> or, yeah, he's like playing the same thing and it's like yes. just flams and all that stuff. It <laughs> never works. <laughs> yeah, it never works. And so I'm like, you know, just going through and doing stuff like that or like, you know, even things as simple as like, you know, hey, did you notice that, um, you know, the the percussion loop track has got this big, like, you know, like electronic kick in it or whatever. It's like, are you going to also play your live kick? And like, if so, like, yeah. you know, how do you want to how do you want to balance that? Do you want to sound more electronic? Do you, you know, and like, I'm going to duck your kick. Or right. What are we want- going to feature here? Because the both yes. of them is, you know it's probably not going to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. I always, I always say like, um, you know, if everything is big, nothing is big. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's huge. Yeah. 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 It really is. Like, yeah. You have to pick what you want to feature. And yeah, I think a lot of people are just like, you know, they try to get everything kind of equal in, in its power. And you know, that, that rarely works in my experience. Like you, you right. have to, like, I, I think our role as, as audio engineers also kind of like gets into like audio producer territory for sure. And yeah, we end up kind of being the ones who get to pick like which instruments are the most important, which, you know, yeah. which background vocalists just, you know, unfortunately aren't going to be heard on a particular right. song just cause it's not, you know, realistic to have that many, yeah. you know, featured vocalists right. on a single song. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. And knowing the music, you know, also allows you to kind of have that and you're in the on, on your side basically when you're making those decisions it's like knowing the songs that are on the you know on the set list and all that kind of stuff but yeah that's super big for sure i always try to listen to the songs if we're especially like driving out somewhere it's like that's like all i listen to on the way down just listen right. through all the yeah. songs in the set like try to try to get a handle on like what i'm gonna want to focus on because yeah it's like if you get in there and you're trying to like 
figure out the song while you're trying to figure out the mix. Like you're not Dude, really yeah. going to mix the song. Like right. <laughs> you're going to barely get it figured out like in time, you know, for the end of the song. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like combat mixing at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Oh man. Um, so, okay. What, uh, what are like some, maybe to, to get a little nerdy here, what are like some plugins or, tools or you know just something something that you've been liking a lot lately has been been a, a fun thing in your mixes hmm. well i've been doing a lot of broadcasts lately so i'm gonna not yeah. say something that's waves because i've been in pro tools <laughs> yeah <laughs> um let me think i've been using uh there's a new eq from plugin alliance called the um oh geez hold on what's it called oh is it is it their mastering dude, EQ? Dude, it's their new mastering EQ, bro. Shoot. Oh man. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna tight. make me you're gonna make me buy that. Yeah. Um, I have their like subscription bundle or whatever. And so I got the email and I'm like, if you're a subscriber, you have access to this. And I was like, oh my gosh. And yeah, it's been it's been really cool. Um, yeah. There's also another plugin by them called the um, Black Box. It's like a harmonic distortion. To be thing, yeah. Um, and I, I put that on like my basically my, like my subgroups to get some sort of like summing, not summing, but just like vibe on stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's it's massive. Um, yeah, that's super cool. But yeah, going back to Live World, um, Waves has a plugin that I've been putting on my on my master chain called the Abbey Roads Mastering Chain. <laughs> oh, um, tell me about that, dude. Yeah, it's got um, a couple of really cool things. It, like it's all you can really go crazy with it, or I like to use it like really really subtly. But um, there's like a tape EQ that I don't use because um, that's scary for me to do it on a PA. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. There's like a spreader function on there that's really cool. It's kind of like their uh, the S1, I think it's called, or but it's I don't know. It's, yeah. it's built in on the plugin or whatever. Um, and then there's like a mid side EQ that's really cool. And then the dynamic section on there is also really awesome. But nice. um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's like I've definitely taken that one too far before. Where like everything, <laughs> I take it out and I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to dial this thing back. But um, <laughs> use really subtly. It's been it's been really cool for me. But, yeah. yeah, that's that's so cool. Um, and just to reference back that um, that plugin alliance EQ that you were talking about, this is the Amec EQ two hundred. That's the one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That one. It's incredible. I so I, I've been scared to demo it because I'm like I know I'm gonna want it oh, after dude. I hear it. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's probably gonna like push me over the edge. Maybe get it. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, so I mean, let's talk about. Okay, so you mentioned that it's got a mid side EQ. Yeah. Do you do a lot of mid side stuff, or like, what's what's your relationship with mid side? Um, I do. I've it's kind of been like a newer thing that I've kind of dipped my feet into over the last year. Um, yeah. Just because this whole concept of like making space for things in a mix has been like on my mind over the last mm -hmm. year because I would like listen yeah. back to board tapes and that's another thing I do like literally all the time is like I always record my two mix and I always like as soon as I like leave the place I get in my car and I open my Dropbox <laughs> and I like plug it in and I like listen to it just to like yeah. reference back and like you know do that kind of thing and so I was doing that and I was like dang everything just feels like really crowded like I don't know I want to make some space and so um, mid side stuff kind of came into play there um, I've been doing some like mid side compression on like guitars, especially like really, really like wet guitars. If you know, the guitar yeah. players got really like lots of verbs and delays and stuff that usually sound awesome, but like on a huge chorus of a song, maybe it's just kind of getting in the way, like we were talking about earlier. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so being able to like duck some of the 
some of the sides or, or push push the middle or kind of you know that kind of thing is has been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with tracks. Sometimes the stuff in the tracks just gets out of control. Um, so just kind of dynamically being able to like keep that stuff in check and not let it get too crazy. I don't like to compress stuff a whole lot. We're talking like maybe yeah. three dB. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's been it's been really cool. And then the EQ on there, like just to be able to pull out like you know five hundred just in the mids as opposed like that's just a different sound than like grabbing an EQ and cutting five hundred versus like cutting five hundred in the middle. Um, yeah, it's super cool. And then also, um, I don't know if you guys are keen on this, but uh, Pooch and Chris Raybold have done these like really long series of YouTube videos since this whole thing started. Um, mm-hmm. And something yeah. I, I totally stole from them was Pooch was talking about how he has like a band, a bandmaster subgroup, and then like a vocal master subgroup, and he'll put um, F six on his bandmaster and he'll grab the grab a, a pair a band around like one or two K or something and um have it dip like not five DB or so um side chained to the vocal bus. So when the vocal oh. is singing you're side chaining the mid band of the band bus at like one K or whatever and it like well like you won't push the vocal as loud because the vocal will sit nicer granted i mean there's you know a thousand that's that's not going to make your mix amazing period but um with all the other steps leading up to that that's been something that i've tried recently um in pro tools and live that i've been like oh dang yeah that's cool oh that's that's so cool i'll have to try that for sure totally stole that from pooch so (laughs) yeah (laughs) well he's amazing so yeah, I was I, I love to steal from really great people. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and okay, so just to break that down a little bit, in case in case like for anyone listening, you may have missed a little bit of what was going on there. Um, so basically, we're talking about um, using a side chain, which is basically a way kind of for uh, in this case a plugin to listen to the audio that's coming from another channel and react to it. Um, so in this case, it's kind of like uh, keying this mid-range EQ to dip down like and just activate when the vocal comes in. So it's kind of like dipping the mids on the band when the vocal is present. Um, did I explain that good? Yeah. And it's just on, like it's, it's just in the middle of the band bus. So the sides just are not the, affected. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. That's it's super, super cool. cool. Yeah. It's really mm-hmm. subtle, but I've, I mean, I feel like I've noticed a difference. So, yeah, no, I think that's great. Yeah. I've, um, yeah, because I, I was asking that because like I've gotten a little bit more into midside stuff as well. I, I think it's just, it's one of those things that for a while I I don't know I didn't understand how useful it could be. Right. And then when I started playing around with it, actually the the first thing I got into with it was actually the Waves uh, Puig Child six seventy compressor. Dude, yeah, I always wondered what that third notch on there was. I was like, what is that? What does that yeah. mean? But it's midside <laughs> and it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's so good. Um, so yeah, on that plugin, if you've got that, um, it's uh, yeah, it's called Latvert mode, yeah. which uh, basically I, I think man, it's like the like the super old school way of saying midside. Um, but anyway, so what you can do with that is essentially it turns uh, the six seventy into a midside compressor, and you can just use it to like kind of um, you know compress your sides or your mid of the mix or your, your mono channel differently. And it can make the stereo image just like really like push out to the sides or be more focused in the middle, like kind of right. whatever, whatever you want with it. Yep. Um, yeah. Which is, which is amazing. Um, 
I think there's like so much more I can probably do with that. But yeah, it's right. something I've been getting to recently for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great on mm-hmm. like super wet pads and stuff too, just to like, I don't really care about the middle of like this crazy shimmer pad. So maybe ducking that down and letting <laughs> the sides take the take the lead there, you know, just to cr- yeah. kind of create more space. But yeah, and then obviously, you know, on a, on a mix bus, it can, it can do some cool stuff there too, but. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think, yeah, maybe a lot of people don't think as much about the stereo imaging, especially on their front of house mix. Like maybe if, you know, they're running stereo in-ears, like, okay, you know, that's obviously important to have, you know, good stereo separation for an in-ear mix. Yeah. But yeah, how, how do you see, like, the importance of, like, the stereo field in mixing a front of house mix? Oh, man. I mean... That's something, you know, if you like, this is kind of one of those things I feel like if you get on the right Facebook group, you can like scroll through and watch the debate of people debating, <laughs> should I yeah, totally. use my PA in mono or should I do it in stereo? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I asked you yeah, the least controversial question of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I, I don't know. I just feel like you're, you're able to like the amount of information that you, you would have to cram into like one source versus splitting that into two sources and like having space around um, those things to me, like is like, that's a no brainer to me. Um, Yeah. So being able to like make separation to where you, you know, like kick snare vocal bass are in the middle and then everything else is kind of enveloped around it. Cause those things are in the middle are what people like really need to hear that like the the beat that will that will move them in the vocal that they can connect with um right. in the middle a very you know out front and center and then everything else kind of like enveloped around it in this like amazing wall of sound kind of way yeah i think that's that's a really good way to put it i i would agree 100% i th- i think where people get kind of stuck on that is maybe they're like oh but you know if i've got my guitar, you know, it's only coming out the left speaker or, you know, something kind of like a wild yeah. you know, hypothetical situation like that. It's like, well, yeah, obviously you don't want to like, you know, only have your guitar coming out the right side or, you know, something For crazy sure. like that. But yeah, I think to me, the more I've been able to get more stereo sources on stage, yeah. the better my stereo field has sounded, which I, I mean, like makes total sense. Right. But even things like trying to get um, stereo mics on guitars or, um, you know, just making sure like, you know, not just using the mono out of a keyboard or, you know, whatever like that, or not using mono tracks, all those things that, you know, should be stereo, just like trying to keep them in stereo um, is really key to making sure your mix doesn't feel like lopsided or anything like that. Yeah. Um, dude, okay. Here's here's something I always like to ask people: How do you pan toms? That's always been one for me where I've I've <laughs> I've had mixed opinions on it. And yeah. like, anyway, yeah. Like, do you do audience perspective, drummer perspective? How much do you pan them? What do you What do you think about that? I do audience perspective at front of house, and then obviously yeah. it monitors you know drummer's perspective. Yep. Um, it kind of depends on like the sound of the toms as to how far I pan them. Like if they're super like. Mm tight, like clear heads, lots of attack. And there's like four toms. I'll go pretty hard. Cause that's kind of more an effect than it is like a, you know, part of like, a, it's just a different kind of style of, of sound. Yeah. Um, but like if they it, almost like a roto tom, right. Or something. Then like, yeah, yeah, we'll go pretty wide on those. Um, if it's just like normal toms kind of, kind of vibe, you know, on, on a normal worship set, I'll, I mean, I don't know on Digico, I usually go like 40 or 50. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. 
I think I don't know. I've never. I don't really think about that. Now that I think about it, it's like <laughs> I, I think that's what I do. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's something. Something around there. It's yeah. like yeah, just go till it sounds right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I always yeah. I always try to think about when I'm painting something that like doesn't have a equivalent in the other speaker. So like, I mean, obviously, you know, if it's a guitar and it's like got a left or right, I'm just going to hard pan those. Yeah. But if it's like, if it's something like a Tom where it's like, you know, the floor Tom, I don't want it to only appear in one speaker. So like, usually I'll kind of go down and listen. I think that's one of the times where like walking the room really, really helps. Um, cause if you can like listen to it and, and sort of see like, okay, like when I actually get down here, like in front of the PA, like not like back in front of house or whatever, like if I'm centered in the room, like what is the listening experience like there? And that's kind of usually what I like base my decision off of for that. Yeah. And things can get mm-hmm. weird if you have three toms, you've got like one rack tom and two floor toms. It's like, <laughs> yeah. well, do I pan the two floor toms like to one side and the third tom like even harder or do I go left and right on those? You know, you just kind of got to make a decision there. Yeah. I've or done it both yeah, ways. Um, same, same, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah, I feel like there's never like a just one answer no, for that. No, there's like, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, let's talk about this. I... Um, this is something I was thinking about. I was like, as I was trying to think about like what some of the things I really love about your mixes, um, and I feel like your mixes are really, really engaging um, from like just a like engaging the congregation in worship kind of yeah. perspective. Like, there's you know, they're obviously like there's nothing distracting in them or anything like that. Like, how do you how do you go about like creating a worship mix that you feel is really engaging? For me, like, it kind of goes back to that being my form of worship. So, like, a lot of that is just kind of comes natural to me because that's, like, what, what, I, what I'm feeling. I know that sounds so cliche, but it's, like, kind of, like, how I'm feeling in, in a moment, whether it's, like, oh, let me do this, like, super cool, spacey, like, you know, delay on a vocal on this, like, down spontaneous moment, or it's, like, do I, you know push it really hard or I pull this verse back so I can hit the chorus really hard. Like, um, yeah. And then like, list like, and this also goes back to having a relationship with people on stage, but like there are certain guitar players that I know, like in certain, I can just feel in certain moments that they're about to like go somewhere cool if we're in like a spontaneous moment. And so knowing mm-hmm. that and knowing when to like be ready to push that so that people can connect with that and, and hear that, yeah. um, is, is really important to me. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the biggest thing though is it just goes back to it being like my form of worship back, back, you know, whether it be at front of house or at monitors or really anywhere. Um, yeah. And just kind of, you know, doing your thing. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> for lack of for a sure. better words. Um, yeah. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. I think, yeah, the people, yeah, people who view it as a form of worship are, I don't know. They're like, I'm just going to say like, they're, they're just better mixers. Like, there's something yeah. to like the, the connectedness that I think, like guys like you feel as you're mixing, um, you know, just like being like present in the moment of worship, like not worrying too much about like, right. you know, like nitty gritty technical details, but being able being to engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah. Being engaged in worship, being really present. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's like a really defining thing. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, do you think you can learn that or do you think it's just something like either you think that way or you don't? I think, I think it's a mindset that you have to like adapt to in your own like mind and and workflow. But I think maybe like over time you can do that. I don't, I don't, I think that's how it happened for me. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think I just kind of 
I've been doing this for a while and mostly mm-hmm. worship music is, is what I work on. Um, yeah. and I've been around, so it just kind of came with, you know, years of, of doing it. Um, and a lot of failure also, but, <laughs> sure. um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely think there is like a, a God given, like you've either got this or, or don't, but that's not to say, I mean, you know, you can, you know, you can try and get better at anything. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, man, let's talk about, let's talk about some of those failures for a minute. I know, um, that like failures have definitely been a, like some of the most like defining moments for me and like some of the biggest moments of growth as well. Um, so yeah. How do you, how do you like deal with failure or like just moments where it's like, man, something just went really wrong. Yeah. I don't know what happened or, or, you know, maybe you do know what happened. Like maybe there's something you could have done to prevent it. Like how do you, yeah, how do you deal with stuff that, you know, just, just the stuff that goes on uh, when we're mixing? Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, it's really easy to say this, but like, don't beat yourself up too bad in the moment and like get back on your feet and keep going. And I know that's like really easy to say, and I'm very guilty of not doing that and beating myself up about it. And you know, the rest <laughs> of the whole set suffering because of it. Um, yeah. but yeah, the more you can kind of do that, the better off you'll be, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, or, you know, there, there are like catastrophic failures, like, okay, I just like accidentally like muted the PA or waves <laughs> crashed or, you know, whatever. Or there's like a, I li- I'm listening back to my two mix from the night and I'm like, dang, like everything was fine, but like this, listening back to this mix, I feel like I failed. And, you know, for, mm. for X amount of reasons or because, you know, I did this wrong or I, what was I thinking using that much like vocal effects or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, and it's just like coming at it from a perspective of like, you know what? Like, yeah, I did that. And next time I'm going to not do that because I've remember, well, I'll remember this moment and I'll actively like in rehearsals or, you know, I'll just keep it on my, in my mind to, you know, not make the same mistakes again when it comes to like, you know, stupid, like mixing errors or, you know, habits. Mm -hmm. Like that was a huge thing for me going back to talking about vocal effects. Like for a while, like I would just use way too much delay and verb and all that kind of stuff to a point where I was like distracting. And so I was like, dang, Mm -hmm. I gotta, I gotta break that habit. Like for, you know, a month I was like, I'm not going to use any like tap delay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Or like, I'm not going to use any like, you know, 10 second reverb on the snare drum, you know, like (laughs) I'm I'm just not going to do it to like kind of break that habit off of myself. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, another huge failure. One time I was on a Midas desk and I left the solo in place on, I think everyone's done this at least Mm -hmm. once. Um, there's like this like hidden button that has like a cover over it and I left it on and I went to solo something in the middle of a song and all of a sudden it soloed in the house and it was terrible. It was so bad. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean stuff like that, you just gotta be like, Oh, whoops, my bad. You know, don't beat yourself up too bad, but like also don't do it again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I always say like, yeah, you just got to own it and remember it and move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's no like, especially something like that. It's like, yeah, there's no shifting the blame. There's like for me, I'm like, there've been a couple of times where like maybe I've, you know, forgotten to like change out of, you know, batteries or something. If I was like stage checking or whatever, like doing monitors, I was in charge of batteries and just like, that look from the worship leader that you get when it's like, you know, they left their mic on after rehearsal. I didn't check that. I didn't check the batteries, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. And then they walk up to a dead mic. You're just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And you know, it's like, it's nobody's fault, but mine. Yep. And yeah, you just got to own it and then, you know, move on from it, get it fixed as quick as you can. Right. And then just remember to never ever do that again. Or like if you, if there's like feedback on a vocal during a set, it's like, Oh man, there is like, 
There's not a lot of things that make me feel that terrible than like yeah. when a vocal like starts to take off. But you know, yeah. you know, you just gotta like don't don't beat yourself up too bad. Like you said, own it and keep going. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> I think I think that, though that is one of the most challenging things is like not letting it, like you said, derail the rest of your mix. Right, because you can get in your head about it. Like I I certainly yeah. do. Yeah, same. Like how do how do you like get out of your head and like get back in? Like we were just talking about like that worshipful like kind of present state of mind. Like how do you like get back to that? I just try not to think about the fact that I'm standing behind a console and that anything that just happened has happened. Like there was one time last year, this is probably one of the most bizarre things that I still can't really explain that happened, but um, it was right before this like huge worship night. um, And I was on a Digico desk and um, I locked the desk when I like went to the green room. And then I Mm -hmm. came back at like, you know, 10 minutes till doors or whatever. And I tried to unlock the console and the keyboard wasn't working. And I was like, uh, well, the console's locked, so I don't know. So whatever, I had to reset the surface and it came back and I reloaded my file and everything was good. But like when the band started to play, like literally nothing was working. Like random inputs were like on wrong channel strips, like oh no, Waves was doing weird stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just hit the bypass Waves macro. And that made it worse. Like it was literally <laughs> the most bizarre thing. And it was like this huge, like... N- there was so much anticipation for this night. There was like, the room was full. The band was like on stage and like they had started playing and like, it was, it was literally terrible. And I was like, well, the only thing I can do right now is like literally completely shut off everything and like reboot. And this whole thing, this whole process took literally like five minutes and it felt like 50 minutes. Yeah, I'm sure. Meanwhile, the band is like still playing kind of, but like the PA's off. It was very strange. Um, and so like, I'm like calmly in my mind, frantically, like turning everything off, then turning everything back on loading the session, which, you know, obviously as that red bar on a digital console moves, <laughs> as it loads your session, it's like the slowest thing ever. It goes so slow. So slow. <laughs> um, and then we finally came back and I don't know, like, I, I think there was a lot of like tension that was building in the room because, you know, if, if you want to, you know look at it from a spiritual perspective um, that when the, when the PA did come back on, it was like at the, like, I didn't really plan this. I just like, tur- I like got everything back and I turned on the PA and I like faded up my, you know, band control group. And it was like at the perfect moment and this, the huge part of this song that they were still playing. And I was like, Oh my gosh, did that really just happen? And for some <laughs> reason, like that moment, like everything coming back and it being awesome. And you know, the environment in the room, I was just like, okay, we're, we're all good now. Like, yeah, everything's fine. Wow. Yeah, it was it was very bizarre, but um yeah. Yeah, situations like that happen and you know, there's nothing anyone can do about it, you know, technology will fail. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um yep. and it's just kind of like getting back on your feet like we were talking about and um you know, not focusing too hard on it and you know, focus on the music and you know, sometimes just like maybe like 3 seconds before you do like turn the music back on be like, "Okay, God, like we're back. Please help me not to yeah. freak out anymore. Do, do what you do. Do, do it. Yeah. Right. For real. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely, man. I I think that's huge for for me too. I I always try to remember the moments where like maybe I've been in the audience and like something. Um, like, you know, not involved in production at all and something weird technical has, has gone wrong. And I always think about how in my experience that always kind of like breaks down some of the barriers and like it, it, like it almost humanizes things more than, uh, 
like, okay, so really, really good example. Um, so I, I went to a 21 pilot show, um, got some, got some free tickets for that. Nice. And, uh, it was, it was like incredible production, like just next level production, yeah. like arena show, just huge thing. And so like halfway through the set, their entire led wall goes down, which is like most classic. of like the backdrop of their set. Yeah. Classic, <laughs> classic led wall. Um, so they're literally out there. Like it, it started with like, like one bad panel that was, I guess like maybe like at the beginning of the chain or where it was like flickering or something. And so like, like I saw it, I was like, Oh, there's something going wrong. And then like the entire, the entire wall went down. Oh, so I was like, Oh no, like that's, that's really bad. And like the tech person to me was like, okay, this is, you know, this is stressful. Like what would I be doing in this situation? Um, but man, so they handled it so well. And the, uh, the lead singer guy was out there and just like talking to the audience and like acknowledged that like something weird yeah. is going on. Like there's literally a guy out here with a tennis ball on like this like long extension pole and he's like hitting this panel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like, yeah, he's Dude, on video stage. People are weird, man. They're, they're so weird. They're so much weirder than us audio people. <laughs> but yeah, so he's got this like 20 foot long extension pole with a tennis ball in the end. He's like, just hitting this like panel that's going bad. Um, and like the entire wall is like flashing a little bit. It's just, it, it's just a wild time. And so like, they could have been, you know, just tried to keep going. Cause like, you know, PA is fine. Everything, everything else is like pretty much fine. So they could have just not acknowledged it, but instead like they just kind of stopped for a minute, acknowledge like that. Yeah, this is a weird moment, but like, we're all kind of in this together and we're just, we're going to get back to the show and man, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And like that just, it diffused all the tension and it like, I don't know. It just kind of like, unified everybody in a way they just kind of like, okay, we're all, you know, we're all people here. Like, right. you know, the people on stage are not perfect. The people running tech are not perfect. Like we're all in this together. Yeah. And it just, I don't know. It was like, it was like a moment from that show that like, I really remember and that like has resonated with me like ever since. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like whenever I'm in a situation like that, I kind of just remember then go, okay, like, you know, something good can actually come out of this. Right. And I've seen that time and time again, like in worship moments too, where, you know, pastor's mic doesn't work or whatever it is. And, you know, he'll like, if he can like be cool about it, like just, you know, make a joke or whatever. Yeah. It like, it ends up like putting people at ease, like actually making it like a better situation. Yeah. It's like almost kind of like an icebreaker. Like, okay, we're going to acknowledge the elephant in the room. We're going to yeah. get the elephant out of the room and then everything's <laughs> going to be great. Cause we're all people. And this happens to everyone, whether you're, yeah. you know, in a church or on a tour or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, dude, this has been so fun. Um, so I've got like two questions I like to end with. Um, first off, what is like the worst part of your job? Like, it, and it could be like responding to planning centers or feedback or, you know, what? no limits. What's, what's just your least favorite thing about running sound? Oh, man, that's a good question. <laughs> Hold on. What's your least favorite thing? I got to think about mine really quick. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, okay. I, I said one a couple episodes ago, so I'm, I'm going to say a different one. Um, uh, man, I would say, oh man. Okay. One of my big ones is out of tune drums. Oh I, yeah. Cause it, it's so hard to fight to make out of tune drums sound like they're nice in tune drums. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there's just, there's no way to like come back from that. That's true. Um, and so, yeah, for me, like, um, 
Okay, like tiny, like worship song guy plug here. We do have a drums masterclass course that you can check out um, at drumsmasterclass.com. We we shot this whole course with Brandon Coker, who's drum for like Passion and Lauren Daigle and like tons of other people. And so he shows like how to tune drums, how to set everything up so they sound awesome, mic placement, and like we go into like processing and mixing. But like learning how to tune drums a little bit has like eliminated that for me. Like, so that I think I would say used to be one of my biggest pet peeves, but now I'm just able to go like, Hey man, like, would it be cool if we worked on your drums for just a minute? Yeah. <laughs> and usually like the drummers are, are thankful for that because they end up sounding like way better than they did before. Right. But yeah, out of tune drums, I think would be a pretty big one for me. Okay. I think mine, one, a big one for me definitely that just came to mind would be any RF issues ever. Oh, period. Yes. Like, if you're on like maybe like an older like wireless situation and someone's on stage talking and they're like holding the mic and then all of a sudden they like switch hands and they're grabbing the antenna <laughs> of the mic yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like yep it's like probably <laughs> probably one of the worst things yeah um, yeah and it, it is and, it, and unfortunately it it does happen sometimes and yeah it, is, it, it does it is terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you're and you're just like awkwardly, frantically motioning to them, but it's like yeah. you're trying to like sign language for like, hey, move your grip up on the mic, and just like that never, it just like they never get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Another another sure. really big pet peeve of mine is um, worship leaders not knowing the lyrics to songs. <laughs> that one, that one really gets me. Yeah, 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 definitely. I have this thing with a couple of worship leaders that I work with, and it's like, well, if the you know confidence monitor ever isn't working, like I know all the words to the songs, <laughs> so I'll just get in your ears really quick and just feed you, you know, the lyrics, and th- then we'll be fine. Because I'm that's doing monitors so and I know the yeah. lyrics, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's kind of a that's kind of a convicting moment. When it's like the monitor guy knows the lyrics better than you do. <laughs> oh, I know. I love to. I love to to joke at him with that one. Yeah. But yeah, that's amazing. Um, and then to close it out, what is, what's your favorite part about running sound? Oh man, that one's easy. Yeah. yeah. I like the, the, the coolest thing for me is like, especially like on, on like a, a larger event or like an Easter or Christmas thing. Like there's been so much like time and hour, like so much, so many hours of work and thought and preparation put into this one thing. And my favorite part is like, standing at front of house or wherever I might be monitors or wherever, um, like with people in the room, like during one of the, the services or shows or what, whatever it is. Um, and just like looking around the room and like seeing the fruits of all of that labor and seeing everything go mm-hmm. off. Awesome. Like that to me is like amazing. Um, yeah. You know, standing behind a console and like, you know, just, just feeling, feeling the, the energy in the room in that moment and like getting that, that satisfaction um, is, is, totally awesome for me so yeah yeah there's nothing else like that that's incredible yeah so fun well man andrew thank you so much for being on the podcast and for hanging out and having this combo with us i think it's gonna be a really awesome one so appreciate you being on the show thanks for having me appreciate it And that's a wrap for this week's episode. Again, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with someone else. Uh, Chances are, if you liked this and got something out of it, you probably know someone who would also like it and get something out of it. So be sure to share it with all your audio tech friends, because really that's what it's all about. It's about you guys and it's about this community. So thank you so much for making this podcast what it is. Uh, We couldn't do it without you. There'd be no one to listen. So thank you so much for being a part of it. And uh, if you would like to learn more 
about what we do here at Worship Sound Guy, you can visit our website over at worshipsoundguy.com and learn all about our courses and free resources that are over there. Uh, Hopefully there's something there that'll really help you out on your journey to amazing live sound. That's it for this week's episode. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. And until then, crank that bass.